We are thankful for your presence. And we open, we invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, we see the parable of the sower. There are only three parables that are told in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this is one of those three. We're going to look at this parable in verses 1 through 9. Read the parable. Then read Jesus' interpretation of the parables. That's rare, but Jesus does it with this parable. Lord willing, next week we will look at 13 verses 10 through 17 as Jesus answers the question, why do you speak in parables? But let's read the text. That day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him, so he got into the boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road. Birds came and ate them up. And other seed fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen and they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among thorns. And thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, that is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but he's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. The very fact that Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, shows the importance of these words. And as we attempt to go over this text today, this whole story will be relived 
as the seed will be sown, and it will fall on all kinds of different parts. The Bible tells us that Jesus is teaching here and he is sitting in a boat and the crowds are standing on the shore. Here the speaker is sitting. The audience is sitting. Not a bad idea. Matthew groups Jesus teaching together in nine of his 28 chapters. He groups his miracles together in Matthew 8 and 9. He groups many of his parables together in Matthew 13. There are some seven or eight people divide them differently, parables in Matthew 13. But verse 3 says, He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went forth to sow. But he spoke to them in parables. Do you remember in the Old Testament, the Bible says in 1 Kings 4 verse 32 that Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. 3,000 proverbs. That proverbs, word proverbs was translated in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, parables. Jesus spoke parables. Or excuse me, Solomon in a way spoke parables. Jesus is one greater than Solomon. We saw that in Matthew 12, verse 42. And he is a greater wisdom teacher than Solomon. To speak of Jesus speaking this word that is often used to translate parables in the Greek Old Testament shows us Jesus as a wisdom teacher. If you want wisdom, listen to him. Listen to him. The sower goes out to sow. And as the sower went out to sow, he has a big bag of seeds. And he casts those seeds wherever he comes. He casts those seeds in every direction, not trying to make a decision beforehand as to what ground will be productive and what ground will not. He simply casts the seeds. But in that process, the seed falls in all kinds of places. In verse 4, as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road. Maybe we would think of a path that has been trodden down for so long that it's hard and there's no grass on it and nothing would grow. And the seed here doesn't find a place in the soil. And the birds come and eat it up. And then he sows some seed that looks more promising because it springs up quickly. It springs up quickly, but it doesn't have any depth of soil. And when the sun beats down on it, it withers because Palestine was a very rocky area. You may remember in Isaiah 5 and verse 2, when, when God is pictured as planting His vineyard, He said to remove the rocks from the vineyard. Because Palestine was a very rocky place, and this would have been a real-to-life picture. As the sower sowed his seed, some of the seed that looks promising and looks like it's going to grow, springs up, only to be withered. 
under the sun. And other seed fell among thorns. But the thorns take away the light, take away the nourishment from the soil, and it chokes out these plants. And they don't bear fruit. But others fell on good soil and yielded a good crop. And it produces a hundredfold, some of a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. In Mark's account of this parable, in Mark's account, he gives the order in reverse. 30, 60, 100. Matthew begins with the largest yield and then goes down to the smallest. 160 and 30. And then he says, if you have ears to hear, hear this. Now in the meantime, the disciples ask, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus will answer that question and we'll see more about that answer next week. But I would say that a couple of words that are strongly emphasized in Matthew 13, verses 10 through 17, that will also play some part in our discussion of Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23, are the words hear or hearing. Some form of that word, I believe it's used 11 times in verses 10 through 17, and also the word understand is a very important word in that passage. So the text tells us in verse 18, hear the parable of the sower. How many of you at some time have heard this parable called the parable of the soils? Have you ever heard that? Quite a few of you. I'm not saying... There's not some point mass. But Jesus calls it the parable of the sower. When he calls it something, we pay attention to that while not ignoring the other details. By the way, all the rest of the parables in Matthew 13, began by saying, they began by saying, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, excuse me, is lying. Because you know, Matthew frequently uses kingdom of heaven like 33 times and only uses the phrase kingdom of God four times. But every other parable begins this way. That par- this parable did not begin this way. But verse 19 introduces that word kingdom. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. He hears the word. And he doesn't understand. How can you blame the poor guy for not understanding? 
After all, the disciples ask about this parable, and Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, in connection with this parable, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all the parables? What's the problem with not understanding? Let me tell you, this is not an intellectual thing. It is not that the gospel is only for the secret initiated people, for the highest echelon of intelligence. But the gospel is for those who want it above all else. What you know what you converse about freely and even might we say with authority because you know that subject whatever it is that you understand is a great revelation of who you are because we understand what we want The fault of these hearers is not that they can't piece together every word of what Jesus was saying. The disciples did, but the disciples asked questions, and the disciples keep looking. By the way, one of the times this word understanding is used in the New Testament, it's used in Luke 2 and verse 50. In Luke 2 and verse 50, the Bible tells us after Jesus was speaking to his parents and said, Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? The Bible says they did not understand what he was saying to them. But the next verse tells us that Mary treasured these things in her heart. Is she an example of one who doesn't understand? Not at all. Because you see, she was trying to hang on every word and to think about it and to contemplate it and knowing there's a doubt there. Because if anyone knew that he was born of a virgin, she knew it. But for the one who doesn't understand it and doesn't care to understand it, That's nothing. The evil one comes, snatches that seed that's sown. And you see, as valuable as it is, doesn't produce. But that's not everyone. Sometimes the seed is sown in places that look much more promising. As a matter of fact, this seed that is sown on rocky places, the person hears the word and notices this word, immediately receives it with joy. The attraction to the message of the kingdom, the attraction to the word of God, the attraction to the message of the gospel is instantaneous. Immediately, he receives it with joy. And this is exactly what he's always been looking for. This is the answer to his problem of sin. This is the answer to the dilemmas of life. 
He receives it with joy. But it's in rocky soil. And there's not much depth of soil. And the roots do not have time to strengthen themselves or to make the plant strong. And the text tells us that when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, the Bible tells us immediately falls away. The word immediately was used in verse 20. The word immediately is used in verse 21. He immediately received it with joy. But the first sign of persecution or affliction or difficulty, he falls away just as quickly as he received it. And sadly, as I thought about these words this week, I could relate, as you probably could as well, experiences with every kind of soil that's mentioned. And it says, the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the one who hears the word. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. It it was said in verse 6 of the rocky soil that the plant in rocky soil withered. Which, by the way, is the same word used later in Matthew's Gospel for the withering of the fig tree. It withered. That is not said of the seed sown in a thorny soil. A matter of fact, it may not become apparent until after harvest that the seed that is sown in the thorny soil isn't productive. It may not be obvious because the plant still remains. It's not withering. But he hears the word and the worry of this world and the sinfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now, this particular word worry, here it is used as a noun. It was used as a verb back in Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, it was used in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat and what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on is not life more than food and body more than clothing. In verse 28, why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. In verse 30, do not worry then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear for clothing? Now I want you to think about this just a moment. Suppose you you come up to a friend after services. And you say, casually, how are you doing? And they say, not good. 
Matter of fact, I didn't hear anything said in Bible class. I didn't, didn't think about the songs when we were worshiping. Didn't think about the words that were preached in a sermon or hate to acknowledge it, but didn't even think about the Lord's Supper. And they go on to tell you the reason they did. It's because they don't have any money. And they don't know what they're going to be able to eat. I know that I and you would be sympathetic. their worries that were preventing them from bearing fruit. And if Jesus told people who had those concerns, don't let the worries of life distract you. How inexcusable it would be for us if we can't concentrate because we're just trying to contemplate which restaurant we'll go to. Or what clothes we're going to wear tomorrow or next week. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. Riches are deceitful because riches can lead us to think that we're more secure then we really are. Riches can promise a security that they cannot deliver. The Bible contrasts in Proverbs 18, verses 10 and 11, the one who trusts in the Lord with the one who trusts in their wealth. And it is the person who trusts in his wealth who is drawing on his imagination, not the person who trusts in the Lord. And again, the thorny soil may not completely kill the plant, but it chokes out the plant from ever bearing fruit. But the Bible says some of the seed fell on good soil and it brought forth and it had an abundant yield. Now, what are we going to do with this particular parable? And more can be said about it than will be said about it. But what are we going to stress? First of all, the parable of the sower. Who is the sower? The sower is never identified in this parable, in the parable itself, in the explanation of the parable. Yet it is interesting that later in this chapter, in another parable, another parable in an agricultural setting just like this, in Matthew 13 verse 37, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. 
Now this could refer specifically to Jesus and his preaching. We have just seen the growing animosity to Jesus and his message. Certainly if we saw someone who opened the eyes of the blind, who cleansed lepers, who raised the dead, certainly we would all respond and humble ourselves before him and say that you are Lord. How in the world does the promised Messiah come doing these signs and be rejected? Because that's just the way people are. That's just the way people are. Some of them aren't going to listen at all. They're hardened. Some of them are excited. But when they see that difficulty is going to incur to them, they give it up. And others like the message and even may outwardly stay close to the message. But they have so many irons in the fire in their life. They don't make him their priority. And we, when we go forth to teach, and preach are imitating the example of the sower. As you talk to your children and grandchildren about the Bible, as you talk to a classmate at school or a co-worker at your business, as you give them opportunities to study the Bible and to learn from God's Word, maybe just going to a restaurant and sitting down with an open Bible and waiting for them to come talk to you. And they will. They will. When we sow the seed, don't be surprised. If everybody doesn't listen. If the very ones we thought would listen don't. As one person told me, when I was a younger preacher, I was in the same world. Years later, I scaled back and hoped I could save the church I was with. I scaled back and thought if I could save my family. And he scaled back. To the fact that he could save himself. Not in the sense of earning it. But in the sense. Of humbly. Bowing his heart before God. If you sow the seed. Don't be surprised. When you get the same response. But I tell you what. We've got to make sure we've got good seed. 
Mark chapter 4 verse 15 says, The Word is the seed. Luke 8 verse 11 says, The Word of God. The Word of God is the seed of the kingdom. The Word of God is the seed of the kingdom. Listen to this passage. You remember this passage from Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11. For the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word which goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. These verses tell us, it talks about this process of, of seed and sowing. And it speaks of it, the word that goes forth my mouth, from my mouth will accomplish what I desire. If we simply speak his words, if we simply teach his message, if we simply call attention to him and what he said, we will attract the people who have a heart for God. And it will accomplish what it purposes. And the people that would reject it would reject God if he were among us. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. In verse 18, he talked about the blood of Christ being imperishable or uh, unblemished. And now he talks about the seed being imperishable. And he describes the seed which is imperishable as the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all the flower of man like the glory of, of, of the grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Make sure we're sowing the right seed. You notice in each of these instances, the sower doesn't change, the seed doesn't change. Soil changes. I can understand someone calling it the parable of the soils to some degree, but remember what Jesus called it. And I think to some degree, it's a description of their rejection of him. But, but we can still imitate this as we preach and teach his word. At what point in the lesson have I been talking about you? Because we're all covered. At what point have I been talking about you? Are you saying? I don't understand that. Walking off and not treasuring it in your heart and pondering it. Do you receive it with enthusiasm because that's what I need. That's what I want. Receive it with joy. But when friends or co-workers say, you don't believe that 3,000 year old does all your Steadfastness vanish away. 
Are you? Are you the thorny You're not giving up listening to him. You're not follow, You're not completely abandoning the path. You're not withering on the vine. There's so many things in your life. You don't have time to prioritize God. Or do you hear the word? And understand it? Not in the sense that you understand every word of this book. If that's what's qualified to be a Christian, none of us will make it. But you understand the heart of the message. I want to tell you something. The heart of the message is simple. And you give yourself and your life to it. You hear it. You understand it. You do it and you obey it. What kind of hearer are you? We're all on a plane. We are taking a trip to Europe. We're getting close to land, but the plane encounters a great difficulty. It becomes more and more obvious it's difficult. The, the people on board the plane are becoming nervous. The captain says, we're in for a rough landing. We're, gonna, we're going to hit the sea in just a second. He said, the stewardess are going to explain once again how to use your life raft or your preserver. Whatever they have via the plane. She's going to come again. And we've got about three minutes before we hit the water. I want you to listen to what she says. Because if you have that life preserver, we're going to be able to hold out till they come and rescue us. But if we don't, you're going to drown. Okay, three minutes. Are you going to say... You know, I, I didn't get a lot out of that. She didn't have good eye contact. And I'm not listening to her because she didn't speak to me when I came into play. She's going to have everybody's attention regardless of how good she looks or how bad she looks. Regardless of whether she's nice or whether she's mean or whether she has been kind or whether she's been unkind. She's got everybody's attention because everybody knows the message is life-altering. We come here because of our loyalty to Him and to His Word. And we seek to know what He says and surrender to it. 
Don't let us be distracted from that. But I want to tell you something now. You take that seed and you sow that seed. You teach the word to who you can, when you can, and you look for opportunities. Try to create them. There will be an abundant harvest. You notice that though there are three types of unproductive soil, the parable ends on the triumphant note that this good seed is going to bear fruit and it will bear fruit some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. It will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. I love the passage in Psalm 126 in verses 5 and 6. It says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes and to and fro carrying his bag of seeds shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Let's say you've been carrying that bag and you're sowing that seed and you're sowing that seed and you find it full of all kinds of people. You made them all friends because you tried to sow the seed in some bad soil. You made them seed because you sow seed in hard soil. And you've sown that seed with weeping and tears. But you keep on sowing. You keep on sowing. You keep on loving God. You keep on loving His Word. You keep on trying to talk to who you can. Oh, there's going to be a harvest beyond anything we can imagine. We may sow our seed with tears. But we're going to reap with joy. Don't give up. Don't quit. But even after we're abundant soil, or even after we're fruitful soil, there are going to be differences between us. We're going to bear different levels of fruit. Some bear a hundredfold, some bear sixtyfold, some bear thirtyfold. Now listen, if you look at someone else who seems to be bearing more fruit, don't look at him or her to compare yourself and think I'm not doing anything. Do you can do something. Had a conversation with a man recently. He was not saying this out of jealousy or envy. That was not the but he talked about someone else and some things that he had done in personal evangelism and how successful he'd been and, and then he said I've talked to him I've talked to him a lot I've done the same things I've tried I haven't had the success that he did he wasn't saying it like I said out of envy he wasn't criticizing the other man. He was praising the other man, but he compared himself 
and sees I'm not doing it well. All we can do as the sower is to sow the seed. That's all we can do. If someone else sows that seed and it falls on good soil and they baptize hundreds, praise the Lord. And if you spend all your life sowing in rocks and thorny soil and wayside soil and you're faithful, you have borne fruit. May God help us each to be faithful in the task with the abilities that he has given us. Let us pray. Oh Lord our God, you are awesome. You are mighty. We are so thankful that you have sown the seed in the ministry of Jesus, in the history of Israel, in the ministry of Jesus, and the preaching of the apostles, that you have sown the seed and you've recorded it for us as a lamp to our feet and a light to our way. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we will be fruitful soil. That will be fruitful soil. May we not simply slough off the word as an indifferent matter. May we not surrender in times of difficulty. And may we not be so concerned with this world and this life that we never bear any fruit. Help us, O oh Lord, to be good soil. Help us to have a good and honest heart. And we know that it's only as we abide in you that we can bear fruit. And all our strength and all our fruitfulness is a gift of yours. May we never pat ourselves on the back if we bear fruit. May we praise you that you have transformed our failed hearts and our failed soil into good ones. To you deserve all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a passage in 2 Corinthians 4 that I meant to include with the wayside soil. Those who didn't understand. In verses 3 and 4, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan wants you to forget the message and forget the word and to forget Jesus. If you won't forget it, he hopes to use the difficulties you have in life to cause you to be bitter and curse God and die. That doesn't work. He wants to crowd out your life. He wants your life to be crowded with other things and use that as a temptation to forget him. But for those of you who have a burning desire to be right with God, to know him, to walk with him, and to follow his path, why not start that journey together? Believing Jesus died for you, turning from your sins and repentance, and be baptized to have your sins washed away. We invite you to come as we stand.